Yes, it's me. It's me. Um, young man, uh, this is Mr. Taylor, yes? I'm you're not the, young. You're the patient? I'm old now. You are I'm, old. I'm in my late, early 30s. Well, Mr. Taylor, I have some very bad news. I've been looking over your chart here that I got from our Department of Pre-Medicine. I can tell from the sounds. This is the sound of a chart, you see. Medicine and such. Our, um, our Pre-Medicine Department that can tell when you're going to be sick and what you're going to have in the future has told me they are infallible, you see, that your your former uh, symptoms, your former sickness, your illness from when you had a case of the gold blooms, unfortunately, <coughs> that virus still resides within you, and it has evolved into a case of the Spielbergs. It's very advanced. I'm very sorry. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say Amblin was advanced. It was certainly popular, Doc, but give it to me straight. Talk English. Well, Denny, when make sick Spielberg movies only cure more Spielberg movies. Now, the only way to cure this disease, you see, is you have to watch three Spielberg movies and decide which one is the best that's going to attack the virus inside of you. Which one is going to be best? Which one is going to be the cure for your Spielbergs? Our dogs are crying for your health and safety, Denny. <laughs> Sorry, that's just my pneumonia cough. <laughs> My right. whooping cough. You also have pneumonia. So, <laughs> oh shit, we we did identify the illness. Have we ruled out pneumonia, Doc? Is it just the Spielbergs after all? You've only got three weeks to live. We have to find the right movie for when you have a case of the Spielbergs and save Denny's life, folks. We're back. We're here. New theme. We did I'm it. I'm gonna die if we don't do this theme. Yeah. Stop bringing it down, Danny. Stop dampening the mood. We gotta hype Sorry up the theme. Sorry to make it about me. But... It's always about Denny. <laughs> Dying Denny has always gotta just draw the spotlight. I'm gonna die if we don't get to the beginning of the hors d'oeuvres line. <laughs> Ooh. It's just my go-to. Mmm, bacon wrapped scallops. Alright, so, I don't know. That's an hors d'oeuvre, right? Horse sure. devour? I'm gonna sure, die man. if it's not... Ah, well, I think we killed this intro, because, Denny, we haven't been sick in a while. Our last theme was a case of the Goldblums, and we're back with a case of the Spielbergs. Our doctors hate us, but uh, we just keep watching cool movies, I think. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's all I've noticed that's happening. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a theme that we've been, we kind of just came up with sort of on the spot, and we're immediately looking forward to every single episode of it. Before we had even picked the movies, we knew we were going to have a good time. Oh, most definitely. I, uh, I, I think that um, it sucks that it is vanilla to say Steven Spielberg is one of your favorite directors, because I think he's one of the best ever, and he has a body of work that is, uh, man, really, really strong. 
I love Steven Spielberg, and uh, this is kind of where I hang out. You know, some of my some of my favorite stuff kind of falls in this genre of uh, you know classic Spielbergs. This is this is good for me. I'm excited about this theme. Yeah, me too. And we'll we'll talk about a little bit more about the man himself here in a minute. But Danny, first we got to get through the other things that we watched this week. Yes, um, sir. I'll go ahead and jump in first if that's cool. Yeah. Normally I'll let you go first, but uh, I watched, I mentioned last week, I watched The Raid of Redemption, and it was a great time, it was very cool. Wall-to-wall action, great time. And this past week, I followed it up with The Raid 2, which is also on Netflix. It's the sequel from the same director, pretty much all the same actors. And it was also a very kick-ass time, but it is two and a half hours, and just like Minority Report, spoil the discussion there, but you do feel the time they yeah. kind of trade off wall-to-wall action with involving a lot more story but the raid 2 like absolutely rewards your patience there is a i gave both movies the same rating on Critiker. there is a car chase scene in the raid 2 that had me doing like youtuber thumbnail face <gasps> and like pointing at the screen because that shit was so cool and i sent denny a video on youtube it was like it was on Reddit years back. They do a um, behind-the-scenes of the car chase scene in The Raid 2. It's like mm-hmm. a one-minute video if you guys want to oh, look it up. Oh, no, yeah. I remember that video. That was incredible. I don't want to spoil how they got a particular shot, but it's going to make you... It's it's what I think of when I think about movie magic. But, yeah, you're going to have to see. I'll, I'll probably post a link in... in uh, on socials somewhere you're gonna have to find it folks it's really dope like it's it's some top-notch filmmaking they didn't have to do it but i'm glad they did you'll see uh denny the other thing i watched something you have seen i watched the french dispatch yeah what'd you think of it from wesley anderson i am very glad that there is a director working today that has such a distinct and unique and like just a characteristic like a such style and character such visual like striking visual language but i in this movie felt like it was just all him laying it all out there like this is the most me film i've ever made and i was not really on board with it oh really (laughs) yeah i haven't been in the mood for his thing in a really long time Mm -hmm. and this one was it felt i don't know it felt like way too whimsical for how adult everything was. It was, it was odd. I just, I just couldn't really get into it. It's got whimsy. It's got the French. Like I'm not, I'm not invested. Yeah, you know, Greg, you're you're white enough, but I don't think you're sad enough. Is that it? I don't know. Wes Anderson is for sad white people. You're definitely white enough for a Wes Anderson movie, but That's I don't. True. You're a pretty content guy. Like, I, I don't know that you're sad enough for those to really appeal to you. I better do something about that then before I watch Asteroid no, City. No, Oh, my God. Thanks for it, the advice, Denny. Off bro, I go to be sad. If you didn't like French Dispatch, please spare yourself Asteroid City. Understood. Yeah, we talked about that one a few weeks ago where you were like, I shouldn't have to look up what the ending means. <laughs> In a yeah. Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> yeah. Not what I'm going to the movies for, for, for Mr. Anderson. No. 
Hell no. And and that's pretty much all I watched. The only other thing I watched was a trailer for Good Burger 2. <gasps> and it made me feel a thousand years old. I haven't seen that. I It, like, just got posted on Twitter, like, right before we were recording. There's a uh, Good Burger 1 movie party coming up at Alamo Den. Ooh, I'm sure I, this is why. I really want to go. I know you love it because we did discuss it already on the podcast. Yes. Great how's time. The, how's the trailer look? Uh, it's just like a little 30-second teaser to basically be like, it's the same actors and they're doing the same stuff. Cool. Seems so, fine. But yeah, like I said, it made me feel very, very ancient. At least they didn't introduce like a young, hip new character named Podcast or something fucking stupid like that. They're just like, hey, did you like this the first time? Maybe you'll like it again if we do the exact same thing. And I'm like, hey... I'm a nostalgia guy who simply can't let his childhood go. I'll watch that. Thank you for respecting me and being honest about what you were doing. This doesn't feel dirty. I feel like this was a consensual exploitation moment, you know? Um, consensual exploitation. Is my kink. <laughs> look at how much merch I have in this house, Greg. I okay. look at daddy capitalism and say, yes, please exploit me more i love it i love every step of this process sell me something daddy <laughs> can't wait right. to get a tracking number <laughs> i love it i'm gonna click on it as soon as i get that email i love buying shit on the internet and putting it in my house greg i love it well denny other than the timer on ebay auctions what else have you been watching this week <laughs> nice segue um very nice in fact um i watched robin hood men in tights uh ah. a mel brooks film i'd uh i hadn't seen it since i was like real little I, it was like seeing it for the first time um it was pretty funny um what i didn't know that vanessa did know was that it's like Mm -hmm. A very direct spoof of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, starring friend of the show, Kevin Costner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, so, a lot of... You kind of needed to see Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves to really get it. Um, I still thought it was pretty funny, but I got kind of tired of it and definitely felt like there was... They were alluding to a lot of things I didn't understand. So... Uh, kind of not my favorite Mel Brooks movie to be honest, but still solid enough, decent. Um, yeah, are there like just references that really dated or something? Um, yeah, but it'll be like it'll be stuff like there's a point where a guy just like trips and drowns in a really really small puddle. I remember that part. Right. Yeah. So Vanessa told me that there's like a drowning that it's making fun of in Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. And if oh, you've okay. seen them, you know like but if you haven't, you just think it's like okay, that's a weird, I guess it's funny that he drowned in a small pool of water, but I don't know why that's happening right now. You know like it, it just doesn't hit the same. I see where we drew inspiration for the movie Glass. Spoilers. Um, yeah, I, I think I also watched that one. It, it must have been 15, 20 years at this point. I don't remember when I saw it last. Mm -hmm. um, I went to see uh, Barbie again. Vanessa and I are Alamo nice. season pass holders, so we didn't have to pay for it. We went at 10 a.m. on a Sunday. 
and we're surprisingly not the only people in the theater and not the only people in the pre-show for 9.30 in the morning, which I thought was pretty tight. Um, pretty nice. damn tight. Um, Barbie was good the second time. I noticed a lot of little subtleties and cool little things that I didn't notice the first time. Uh, that movie, he slaps. It kicks a lot of ass. Go see it if you haven't. Uh, and uh, finally, I watched something that I really, really want to cover on the show. So I'm going to pitch it to you, telling you... To, uh, I'm going to describe the movie as a pitch to Greg of why we should cover this, okay? Did Steven Spielberg direct it? No. Okay. It does have Harold Ramis uh, and Eugene Levy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has original songs by Cheap Trick. Mm-hmm. Um... And a lot of other famous people written just for the movie. Um, it is one of my favorite animated movies ever made. And it is a sci-fi, cyberpunk, fantasy anthology called Heavy Metal. Yeah, we're going to cover that at some point. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got to. <laughs> um, it is... It is really fucking good. It's basically uh, this green orb uh, finds this little girl and starts claiming to be the embodiment of evil um, and shows her all these tales of, like, times the orb has, like, corrupted people or destroyed things. Um, and uh, we're worried for this little girl's life because uh, the orb is going to destroy her for her innocence. That's what all the bumpers on the stories are. Um, it's really fucking sweet. A lot of it is rotoscoped, and uh, one of the shorts was the inspiration for the movie The Fifth Element, which is pretty cool. Nice. Um, I remember it was maybe not featured, but kind of like homaged, paid homage to in mm -hmm. Mandy quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, so yeah, we should, uh, we should cover heavy metal sometime. It's really fucking dope. I don't know how we're going to work it in, but maybe, you know, music but not a musical kind of thing. Ooh, that's pretty sweet. Um, we do we do revisit themes every once in a while. Yeah. More on that in seven weeks. <laughs> we could like, do an anthology like episode. We could do an animation episode. We could do a cyberpunk series. Then we can do your Super Mario Brothers yes. 1990s version. Yeah, yes. yeah, there we go. Okay. Vanessa asked me if I wanted to watch Super Mario Bros. last night because uh, it was on Peacock. And I was like, 90s or... <laughs> I basically... Yeah, no. uh, I, I gave her an, oh, cool. <laughs> oh, cool. No. This can't keep happening to me. Yeah. It keeps happening. So we we watched Stop. Heavy Metal. I, if I ever ask you to watch the Mario Brothers movie with me, I'll be sure to specify like ahead of time which one. Thank I'm you. talking about before I ask you. So this is this is just a public service announcement. If anyone out there has any friends who own Super Mario Bros. the movie toys with complete accessories from the please, '90s one, from the '90s one, please be careful with their heart and make it very clear which Super Mario Bros. movie you're inviting them to watch with you. They're sensitive, mm. gentle souls, and no one ever asks them if they want to watch the 90s Super Mario, so it's going to make them really happy if they think it finally happened. <laughs> I'll save that one for a rainy day. Uh, well, that's all the stuff we watched, Danny. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We watched some fun stuff. Yeah. Very, um, 
wide variety. I, yeah, like some very, I got a distinct director. We got like distinct art styles, like all these really cool kinds of movies. Um, I wanted to ask, like, what do you think? I just kind of want to pit, like, kick off the theme here talking about Spielberg himself and kind of like what sets him apart. Like when you think of a Spielberg movie, you know, there's so many different kinds of stories and uh, covering decades of filmmaking. When I ask you, like, what makes you think of his movie or his style, like what kind of comes to mind for you? So I definitely think of something with a veneer over it. Yeah. Um, Okay. (laughs) Spielberg is really good about creating an atmosphere for his movies that feels very cinematic. Like, I'm always aware that I'm watching a movie. You know, it never feels like I was like, uh, it it never feels quite like reality. Um, It's it's a little bit rose-tinted. It's definitely very sentimental. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also know when he's on, which he used to always be, um... I am going to get something that has a lot of vision to it. Um, I'm usually going to get something high concept. um, And I'm going to get something with a really strong story structure. And that might be why I love him so much, because it's well documented how much I love story structure. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than, you know, those honestly very vague things I just said... It's hard for me to describe a Spielberg movie because um, the difference between E.T. and Schindler's List um, is right. quite a bit, right? <laughs> like, um, he, oh, really? He, he doesn't... And, you know, even something lighter, it's like the difference between E.T. and Indiana Jones is quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, he really... He has a, a, a lot of flavors in his ice cream parlor, so to speak. Mm. Um, a lot of flavors, a lot of flavors. Yeah, we're going to, we kind of accidentally made this exclusively like the sci-fi side of his work. And it's going to cover three different decades. Somehow we skipped the 90s. Uh, but Wow, did we? <laughs> yeah, we got a 70s and 80s and a 2002 film here. So, yeah, we're, just like you were saying, even talking about just his sci-fi films there's going to be a lot of difference in feel and atmosphere and i think it's all to serve the story he's telling so what well, i think this is what's so cool about spielberg if you like if you look at our podcast we've already done uh we've already done jaws we've already done jurassic park mm-hmm. those are two of his biggest ones right mm-hmm. we're covering three pretty heavy hitters on this series that's five of spielberg's biggest movies and this series still feels very incomplete to me like i feel like we're just scratching the surface of really what spielberg has to offer um and that's after getting five of his biggest movies out of the way i still feel like uh we really haven't gone through his body of work on this podcast and i think that says a whole lot about him interesting yeah oh yeah i'm i'm really excited about it i i've you know you asked what are the biggest ones and you know i feel like we've covered a lot of them but we still haven't touched like any of the indiana jones movies no yeah none of them i'm not sure how much i you know i'm wanting to but yeah like i don't know it's just so cool like 
I think for my answer, it would, it's more of like a... We talked about it a little bit when we were discussing Jaws. Endearment to the main character just always feels basically immediate. Mm-hmm. He has such a motivated way of... First of all, like just extremely motivated camera movement. Mm-hmm. First of all, just like from a technical area. He's like... He has a vision and he knows that you know he knows how to express that not the way your eyes would see it but a, the way a movie would see it he knows how to yeah. make a make a vision something in your head where you see all kinds of color and just like a wide picture narrowing it down to a digestible like i'm drawing a square with my fingers here a rectangle excuse mm-hmm. me and like make it all fit in here and make it all immersive but still feel like there's something bigger that you you understand even though you don't see it as big as it is it feels larger than life mm-hmm. and endearment to the main character like we talked about in jaws like the dad you know the main character he's a father and we like only get a couple of scenes with him and his wife and kids but we really get this sense of how he really feels about them and how much he mm-hmm. loves them and everything mm-hmm. he's <laughs> It doesn't take much to add depth and layers to a character and like you were talking about story structure we're not really going to buy into the ride if we're not you know on on board with the audience vessel basically if that makes sense i'm getting lost in the weeds here a little bit but no i'm getting it though like the 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 connection to the protagonist is something i hadn't really thought about but as soon as you said it that felt so right i was like oh Oh, yeah. And, like, I loved what you said about the veneer. It was just, like, there always just feels like there's a little bit of tint, but it's, like, it's not fully, like, I understand this isn't real, but it also feels super immersive. Yeah. Like, they seem kind of, like, opposed, but they're actually kind of working together. It's it's really interesting. It allows um, me to see the real world in the way I'd like it to be. Yeah, exactly. And especially, like, when... You know, you we're, you and I are in our early 30s. Mm-hmm. So, like, we grew up on a lot of these things. And these, like I said, these have spanned decades. So a lot of people have grown up on these, on his movies. Mm-hmm. So having a sort of dreamlike view of the world in a certain sense is really, you know, awesome. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. it's, it's important. Uh, it helps us, it kind of, like, activates something creatively within your own mind to see like oh if i can choose to see the world a certain way i can like find a way to express that to others and i don't know this is something i just thought of i guess um yeah i guess that's all about him um i guess my last thing is like talking about story structure even though like the story structure can be kind of i don't know about basic but like he can elevate a style of story that we've seen before and even though we might know what's coming the way he tells the story we still feel surprised Mm -hmm. uh, by what happens and Denny speaking of surprise it's time for some ambush trivia oh my fucking god my guard was down as shit damn right it was I can't believe you've done this oh my god ladies and gentlemen we got him Time for ambush trivia, Denny. I've only got five questions for you this okay. week. Okay. Uh, you know the rules. If you get three right, that's a passing grade, and you'll be a good Denny boy. 
Yes. If you get four right, you'll be a very good Denny boy. Oh. If you get all five, you'll be a very, very good Denny boy. Woo. Let's see if you can do this one, man. You really know how to pander to my need to be praised. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see if you deserve any praise on uh, this first question. All right. So I don't. We kind of have mentioned it, but our our first movie in the series, the one we're covering today after trivia, is Minority Report. And I'm holding in my hands a book by Philip K. Dick that says on the cover, Minority Report. Now, Minority Report, I'm going to show Denny, is only about this long. It is a... There you go. It is about a 46-page short story in this larger body of work. Mm -hmm. Philip K. Dick was a, is a prolific sci-fi author. He has written many a book that has been adapted into many a movie. Now, within this book, there are other stories. The very last one is a story called We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. And that book was that story was adapted to another film that we have covered on this podcast. We have covered? We have covered it. Not a Spielberg movie. What movie was adapted from We Can Remember It For You Wholesale? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. No, think more sci-fi. Um, Way before Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. We can remember it for you wholesale. Mm-hmm. Am I going to want to punch myself in the dick when I hear which one it was based on that? I don't think so. Uh, I'll tell you, think 80s. Ooh. I'm, I'm cold, Greg. I'm cold. I don't have a hot trail in my heart right now. So you, you can't recall the movie? Hold on, hold on. I didn't say that. I didn't say that, Greg. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. 80s. God, I was not aware we had covered a Philip K. Dick story on this podcast. Um... It thing. could just, it could just be a total guess. The you can't recall. That's not the thing. Okay. Uh, so, it's <laughs> still not the fly. It's so no. You don't want to give just like a total guess. You can't recall anything. Total guess. Total guess. Um, the color out of space. Did we cover that? I don't think we did. Sure didn't. That's definitely. Mandy's. Denny. Eighties. Um, one of your favorite actors ever is in it. Nicholas Cage? No, older. Nicholas Cage? Now? What? Tim Curry. Austrian. Arnold! Total Recall! There you go. Jesus. <laughs> I was, you hear me saying total guess? You want to recall the movie? I was trying to feed it to you, buddy. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. I, I don't think I can take a point for that in good faith. Yeah, I know. I don't think you can. At it's okay. You, at least you walked me up to it, so I got to have the experience of getting it right. <laughs> it's like you got it. All right, question two, Denny. Uh, Steven Spielberg's movie from 2001, AI, Artificial Intelligence. It was a project that was taken over by Spielberg after the death of what director? Um, Uh-oh. Stanley Kubrick. Yes! Nice! Yes! Good job. All right. Yes. We got one. All right. Uh, Denny, question three. 
Spielberg won his first Academy Award for Best Director for what film? Schindler's List. That is correct. Yes. I was about to give you the year as a hint, but I wanted to see if you knew it ahead of time. It was Schindler's List from 1993. All right. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio has worked with several, several huge directors. Many a name. But he has only been in one Spielberg film. Denny, what was that movie? It's either... Don't tell me. I'm not. But it's either The Aviator or Catch Me If You Can. It is Catch Me If You Can. The yes. Aviator is Scorsese. Okay, okay. I knew it was one of those plane-based movies <laughs> <laughs> that came out around the same time. That a boy. All right, so Denny, that's three. You are a good Denny boy. Oh my Let's god! See if we can... You have no idea how much pressure I felt to achieve three right. <laughs> uh, let's see if we can add a very to your uh, to your name here. I had to scrap my original question because we talked about it in the run up to the trivia. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> I quickly scrambled together this question while you were talking, Denny. What is Steven Spielberg's movie with the highest rating on Rotten Tomatoes? as a director ready player one joke guess joke guess joke, joke guess, guess joke guess. guess not final answer not the final answer highest rating on Rotten Tomatoes I'm gonna guess Schindler's List again no that is second it's okay. very close there's a 1% difference Indiana Jones it's, and the Last Crusade. No, Danny, I'm sorry. You get one more guess. I'm going to give you one more guess. Jaws. Sorry, Danny. You were close. The answer is actually E.T., the extraterrestrial. Damn it! That's higher than Schindler's List? It's, uh, yeah, 99 and 98. <laughs> Read me a negative review of Schindler's List. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> let me, but let me but don't me. sound like you're a Nazi sympathizer. That's that's the Schindler's List negative review challenge. All right. Uh, for some reason, Joanne Kaufman from People Magazine said, despite admirable intentions and the undeniable splendor of his craft, ultimately what Spielberg has told is the story of the list. He has not told the story of Schindler. She even apologized for her own bad review. Like, she fucking cut her own balls off with that opening statement of like, okay, I know I'm wrong, it's a good movie, but... <laughs> this guy, there's another one that says, a theme park ride masquerading as master's thesis. Now, Denny, you're a big uh, fan of Disney parks, right? Yes. What would the Schindler's List attraction look like to you? Would you describe this film as a theme park ride? So when you think like, you know, you know a lot of movies, you know a lot of theme park rides, like, do you really see these this comparison as working? Well, I, I don't, and I'll tell you why. It's because theme park mm. rides are usually based off of more substantial films like Tron Legacy um, and <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy 2. For example. <laughs> 
yeah, I, Come I can't the wait. fuck on, man! Oh, I was... I was incorrect. This I was gonna say, like, this guy is from the New York Times, but he's actually from something called New Times. <laughs> but he gave a positive review to Mars Attacks, so... Whatever. All right, so that's enough of that, Denny. Let's let's get into it. We're we're here to discuss an actual movie now that we're very deep into this episode. Let's talk about Minority Report. This was my pick. Minority Report is a 2002 film that you can watch on Paramount Plus. It was on Netflix a few weeks ago, and it's gone now. Paramount Plus. I don't current think you events. can even like <laughs> current events. Basically. This is a current events podcast. We cover <sighs> the just left Netflix. Everything that's off Netflix this month. Uh, and we're here to tell you about it. I don't think you can rent this one on Amazon or anything. Really? So, yeah, I don't think so. Minority Report. I'll summarize the plot before our review of the week. Minority Report. Oh, it's a story of John Anderton played by Tom Cruise. What a cool guy. He is a detective in the pre-crime unit, so... We have found three humans that if you submerge them in a cool little ice bath and hook little electrodes to their heads, they can tell the future. They know when murder is going to happen. There has not been a murder in six years because the Department of Pre-Crime has a way to tell the future and they can intervene when a murder is going to take place. Now the only problem is our good Detective Anderton gets a uh, solo vision from one of the precogs they're called, our tub people of himself committing a murder. Oh, tub no! People. Fucking got me on tub people. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on, Denny. Continue with the synopsis. Proceed. Do not derail me. Now, Tommy Cruz's John Anderton, he is, of course, taken aback. He's like, I would never kill anybody. I don't even know this man in the video on the screen, you see. And he's out to prove his innocence prove that he would never actually kill anybody prove what's really going on here is it a setup his kid is dead i forgot to mention that that's why he's in pre-crime because he never wants people to die ever again if i could just stop it oh my gosh i know it's it's a cool movie i don't i'm we're gonna spoil it when we talk about it of course but yeah that's the gist of the plot solving your own murder that you're going to commit later but how cool is that shit? It's just like, put that on a sheet of paper, get Spielberg to make a movie, and I'm watching it. I think this book came out in 56, though, which is wild. Wow. Old sci-fi kicks ass. Um, our Critical Review of the Week is actually a special one because it is a Reno review. Oh, Reno. shit. A Reno Review of the Week. Denny. Will Reno says, with his 18 out of 40 review... Whenever I got my wisdom teeth taken out, I asked to keep them because, quote, my mother gave them to me, but they didn't let me. Sad face. <laughs> he can't be beat, people. He can't be beat. Oh, everybody follow uh, Let's Kill Robots on whatever social media platform you can find them on. It's always a great follow. You, you will not regret it. Always a great time. Now, Denny, we have a good relationship with Will, but what is your relationship with Minority Report? Um, I saw this movie several times in theaters for some reason. Really? Um, 
Yeah, I think I just went to the movies a lot, and there wasn't that much on. I grew up in the suburbs. Um, and I think I just kept getting invited with, like, a friend and their parents to go see Minority Report, and I liked it, so I just kept going. Um, and if, <laughs> <laughs> So I, I got super into Minority Report for a while, Greg. I'm not joking. And so um, I remember, like, six or seven years ago, I was like, ooh, I really liked minority report in sixth grade but you know what else i really liked in sixth grade sam raimi's spider-man oh i should probably watch minority report again to make sure it's good and i was surprised that it actually held up and i really liked it a lot still i was pretty pumped about that and this is the first time i've watched it since then so it had still been years but uh I, because it was repeated so many times when my brain was still developing. Um, I mm. remember this movie very well. I like this movie a lot. Very nice. Very cool. What's yours? Yeah. I remember, uh, yeah, this came out around the same time as Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Damn, that's cool. Yep. I, I remember my dad and. The, so I was 12 when this came out, and I have. I was. I grew up in a pretty strict place where the PG-13 rule was you gotta be 13, unless Dad vetoes that with Lord of the Rings, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which did happen. Um, yeah, my dad and my older brother went and watched Minority Report, and I was very, very jealous. And then I never watched it until <laughs> until this past weekend where I saw it. And as soon as we came out with this uh, theme, I was looking through Spielberg movies. I was like, do I go with the classic? Do I go 80s? Do I go something kind of like recent-ish? And I landed on this cool-ass sci-fi movie that I knew was going to be cool, but I never actually saw. So that's my relationship with Minority Report. Nice! Dope-ass flick, ain't it? Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I it's, it's it. a, I, I was in the Spielberg mindset. I was like, I want some of his... His sauce, you know, his his zhuzh, you know, the thing mm -hmm. that makes his movies his thing. I was yeah. like, how does he make this story his thing? I'm trying to predict crimes! <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because this is one of the less Spielberg-y Spielberg movies, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's a post-9-11 Spielberg don't get me started, uh, first of all, but... What if we precog the attacks? We know, we know. <laughs> um, but uh, there were moments where it really felt Spielberg-y. Like, where I was that, like, oh, I know yeah. who's making this bad boy. <laughs> you know? like, But it wasn't like the whole time. That veneer you were talking about earlier in the run-up to this was exactly what I got here. I was like, I know there's going to be soft lighting... This is some of the softest, mm -hmm. airbrushediest lighting I've ever seen in a movie. I feel like it kind of that sort of soft lighting, like really covered up the CGI parts, mm -hmm. and it held up. The CGI held held up really well. I mm -hmm. thought, at least. I mean, I'm watching this on like on a projector, it's a great big screen. It was. It looked awesome. Mm -hmm. The guy knows how to incorporate tools into filmmaking so it's another thing we could have mentioned i guess he's been doing it since jurassic park you know hell yeah making the computer world look real all right hit me with the note on a uh, minority report danny what you got uh first and foremost there is no such name as anderton 
Correct. That's a futuristic name, you see. Anderton. Mm-hmm. And I will say, it's accurate to the book. Mr. Anderton. Mr. Anderton. In the first line, the first page of Minority Report, the book. Uh, Anderton. Sad to say. Well, what, what year... But, but this, this copy says Tom Cruise. It's very odd. <laughs> what, what year was the book released? 56. So it was written on a typewriter. Yeah. Philip K. Dick clearly had a typo the first page and didn't have any whiteout, so he just <laughs> <laughs> rolled with it. Shoot. I forgot my... <laughs> what would they have called it in the 50s? Shoot, I seem to have left my correcting agent at the other office. <laughs> oh. I was going to say, there's a there's a race joke somewhere in there about what they would have called out in the I 50s. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to go there, but... I don't know anything about the man, only that he wrote some books that turned into movies. I only we know can he... assume he was racist. <laughs> <laughs> you ever met someone from the 50s who wasn't, Greg? I know I, I... haven't. My parents. Oh, uh, man, you anyway. should hear my parents, Greg. <laughs> I've had a very different lived experience than you. <laughs> really us yeah oh you're both so different podcasters white podcasting guys <laughs> i was i was happy to see all of my old friends in in this movie though a lot of guys from a lot of other things we got peter stormare from fargo as like the crazy doctor guy mm -hmm. uh max von sido sido i'm not really sure how he's to say his name uh, the very older guy that was in Shutter Island, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. also. Um, one of my good friends from the island of Inisherin, Colin Farrell. Mm -hmm. Damn, this movie was just chock full of people. One of the guys from Band of Brothers, which was what Steven Spielberg was also working on the t at the time. I guess that's how they how they knew each other. Not to mention a uh, mom from Holes who. Uh... Oh. was doing what I believe was a Chuck E. Cheese accent while he guarded all of the people in Halos. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? What fucking accent was that that he was doing? He was like, hey, come on in! Have some coins and some tickets! We got Halos on people over here! You want to picture yourself winning all the sinking hundreds in skee-ball? Come on! <laughs> I could sell you a vision of tickets pouring out, never ending. <laughs> you can still only can get a spider ring. I just expected uh, him to end lines with like, now that's entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, that kicks ass. Uh, my wife pointed out that she thought like, you know, the little memories on her on those little clear slides. She pointed out that they looked like the games that you would insert into a PSP. I yes! That was very funny. <laughs> so I, what I thought was actually really interesting about that, uh, specifically those cartridges, was that it went to show that even in 2002, they were still envisioning an analog future. Yeah. They still this... couldn't comprehend what digital was going to be that late in the game. This one was really interesting it was like kind of a hybrid analog digital yeah where everything's like still on the screen like a big flat piece of glass but it feels like it's still kind of projected from somewhere even though it's kind of not mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like there's still i don't know it feels like a digital file that's kind of stored somewhere 
and they're like moving like the slide from computer to computer basically but it's still like a clear plastic kind of tablet thing mm -hmm. it's super interesting it is the perfect mix i've never seen it before of a analog future with some sort of prediction of digital i wonder if it's laid out like that in the book oh, and that's kind of that where the inspiration I I just said it's short. And I should read it at some point. But <laughs> that would involve. Gonna. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I got the book out. I have to read it. We don't read on this podcast. We yeah, watch. We watch things. Ugh, man. As soon as they make the movie, why read the book? But yeah, what what do you got? Well, I was gonna segue on what was projected on uh, on those little disc, the PSP disc. Mm -hmm. Um. The one he watches of his wife always makes me think of uh, when Abed is shooting dead partner footage for Annie. <laughs> it always makes me think of that exact scene because it's so <laughs> egregious how much it's like, honey, turn off the camera, babe. You're so it's sweet. <laughs> Just like looking with doe eyes. <laughs> it's like, uh, what's that meme of like, how you know the wife in this movie is definitely about to die and it's like a bright room like we're under the sheets touching noses or whatever if you see someone's wife under a single white sheet on a bed you know that woman's gonna die she's fucked <laughs> uh, say goodbye to her um yeah kind of sticking on the technology like the little gloves it's like little three finger gloves with like little lights on him he's using to like whip stuff around and control yeah. everything i thought that was going to be the future i thought we would have this yes, stuff now absolutely <laughs> these would be the remote controls or like the future of gaming basically but uh we still got some work to do i think this story takes place in 2050 something 2054 and i i oh. wrote it down because i was excited that we were watching an old movie set in the future uh, that is set at a point we haven't passed yet. <laughs> right. It was so refreshing to not have it be like, the year is 2017. It's all very different from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's cool now. And you're like, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it makes me so sad that I'm like, it was like a like decayed version of the 80s. <laughs> it didn't get hmm. better. It's, you guys were at the peak. <laughs> it just started getting worse. What if neon was everywhere? Yeah. God. What if, Greg? What if? Visions, visions of the future. Oh, I wish so badly. It was I, I think lights. one thing this movie did get right, though, was everywhere Anderton goes, there's a ocular scanner, basically, to scan his eyes and sell him shit. If that's not the future, I don't know what the fuck is. Yep. Targeted yep. marketing is going to be the end goal of all this technology and shit that's featured in this movie. Absolutely. And they covered it. They were right. Just, I, I believe them. 100%. Yeah. No, they figured that out. Uh, I also saw that uh, at one point there's a, a, a poster in the background for Jaws 7. Um, they also oh. successfully predicted that it would just be nothing but legacy sequels, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing that the uh, Back to the Future 2 Jaws 3D or whatever, mm -hmm. Jaws like 12 or whatever, they got it mm -hmm. right, man. 
Legacy sequels only. Yep. Well, that was funny for uh, Spielberg to poke a little fun at himself there, too, I thought. I like it. I appreciate it. Uh, he gets it, folks. Uh, Alright, how else are we feeling about the movie, man? What else you got for me? You know, um, it reminds me, both in like the general feel of it, um, of another Tom Cruise movie we've covered uh, on this podcast, uh, and that's Edge of Tomorrow. Um, these are very cool. similar movies to me that I'm like, they're very fun, they're very immersive, they're very sci-fi. You want action? They got action. You know, like you want a little mm-hmm. romance? They got romance. You want dead wives? You want sexually abused, kidnapped kids? They got that. Hold up. What? Uh, after a stressful mm-hmm. day at work? Um, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, they're both really fun, exciting movies that there's enough meat on the bone but they don't require that much brain power to process um mm-hmm. i i really really like both those movies i'm a big minority report fan that's a really good way to look at it <clears throat> enough meat on the bone but you don't really have to commit too much to thinking about it mm-hmm. yeah it's like it's it's kind of a heady concept you know you could do a lot with like predicting crime in the future but we don't go to a we don't explore a story that's so like unbelievable that we need to be presented with a whole bunch of exposition of like why what we're watching is cool basically right just show right. just show cool things and we'll get it 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 does kind of i want to say devolve but that's the wrong word because it sounds negative but it kind of becomes a Maybe not generic, but it becomes like an action movie that we would be familiar with. Mm-hmm. It's it's any kind of action movie, but with the cool add-on of we're fighting the future, mm-hmm. basically. Um, twists and turns along the way. Heists for a tub girl that can't walk very good. Don't call her tub girl. Oh. Sorry. Do you not know what that is? No, I don't want to ask, and I will not be Googling anything later. So, anyway, Do not Google Tom Girl. Do not. I'm moving on. What do you think of those cool little sonic wave weapons? You know, they, like, unfold their guns, and it goes... Oh, and yeah. it shoots, like, a big circular sonic wave. That shit was cool as hell, and they only used it a few times. He knows restraint. I there was it. some cool-ass action in this movie, man. Cool chase scenes, cool... That was awesome, man. I, I like... I love it. I, I love it. It's it's really cool. Um, negative note. Mm-hmm. Why did the doctor for the eye the eye doctor guy? I know what this, this is going to be. Why did he have to be so disgusting? Great question. <laughs> like, why? Why? Why do that? That was so gross. I felt so nasty watching that scene. I, act, I in my note I kind of summarized it into one particular part of that scene which was I don't really like this post surgery prank kitchen with a fridge full of like a good sandwich and then a green mold sandwich and then regular milk and green mold milk like in the middle of this serious fucking movie I swear to god Tom Cruise is on his knees feeling around a dirty fridge doing an actual Three Stooges bit. (laughs) Curly Curly just poked him in the eyes. Now he's got to find a sandwich because he's so hungry. 
but he keeps eating the moldy one. No! Oh, 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 he's reaching, he's reaching. No, Tom! Anderton, no! Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's just bumbling around there. It's fun. It's fun. I just don't get why. But that scene does lead into like some of the cooler shit in the movie and I want to talk about the inspired and motivated camera work those little spiders come out yeah they feel like they're just little disc with wiry legs they feel like they kind of have personality because we're just like swooping low from their angle they're deployed and we're just kind of like moving up the stairs the camera's like on their level it's really cool and then from there we go to a above above shot looking through the ceiling going from room to room as those spiders like inspect people by like scanning their eyes it's so cool it, like you really get a sense for kind of like the scummy place we are mm -hmm. the work that these things do we're like what kind of a threat they are because everybody knows what they are it'll we'll interrupt our argument so these things can scan our eyes and then we'll get back into it kids are scared of them all that kind of thing like we could have just stayed low with the with the spiders and made it look I feel like that would have been weird people like staring at the floor being like eek spiders right right showing it from above transitions well into what Tom Cruise does where he dumps the ice in the tub and like sinks himself under really cool intense scene I like it a lot no really great and like what a set you know like what set design mm -hmm. for that you know like it, it's that kind of uh, vision that I like to see in a movie you know like it, it's what it's what sets this apart from a more generic action movie. You just don't see stuff like that. Um, some money went into that. Some inspiration went into that. Uh, it was cool, man. Hell yeah. Ugh, I just still don't get why that guy had the runniest nose ever. What is that? <laughs> what was that it's his, uh It's his uh, drug addiction. He's, you know, oh. he's hooked on the... What's it, what's it called again? I don't remember. It was. It wasn't heroin. It was like a. It was like super cyber heroin or something. It was, <laughs> it was. uh It was something weird. But yeah, like Tom Cruise is addicted to the drug too. He's got to numb the pain of being a. Yeah, uh, you know, the loss of a child and all that. A child widower. Thank you. I couldn't think of it. I don't think but that's it. That, <laughs> that can't be right. Um, all right. I've got a. I've got a note. Mm-hmm. I wish Spielberg made this in the 80s because the only thing it's missing is a timeless look. Agree or disagree? When you say timeless look, do you think the restrictions of making this in the 80s versus the 2000s technology would have made for a more um, interesting film? Or like more creative way to tell this story? Yeah, and I think, you know, it's just... We're going to watch E.T. next week, and it's going to look good in 2023. Trust me, okay? Mm -hmm. You could make E.T. look exactly the same right now. You know, um, Minority Report is has a lot of CGI-heavy sets. It just looks aggressively 2002 to me. Um, okay. It's like the same color correction as Attack of the Clones. Uh, I think that's a big part of it, I think. But, like, <laughs> um, not that we do Star Wars, because we definitely don't. Um, it, it looks it looks extremely dated to me, um, just in its time. And I think 
even like the choice like it's not shot on film you know like it looks very uh granular even um mm-hmm. i think if they had to shoot on physical film and still had to make a cool sci-fi future um i i think it would have made this more of a timeless classic because like right now i feel like it's more of a hidden gem you know yeah yeah that makes sense it's like everybody knows what it is but it's not like what you think of when you think of like a classic spielberg film right even a classic spielberg sci-fi film yeah um we got we got more of those coming up later but yeah man um i think my main issue with the movie i guess my only like big negative note the you know what's actually going on it is a setup um the old doctor that we presumed was a friend the big twist is colin farrell is a good guy and (laughs) the old guy was betraying him all along Mm -hmm. and the real murder from the past was actually from him it feels like that reveal is done two times i felt the same and i i just kind of chalked it up to having already seen it but it definitely felt like they'd given enough information when he kills Colin Farrell to, like, let you know who, yep. who it was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they, they they don't fully spell it out for you, but it's you can more than infer. Why else would he do that? Like, <laughs> like oh, no, he shot him before he could tell him he th- who he thinks did it. <laughs> it's the guy that shot him. Uh, <laughs> um... That being said, I think that's why I started to really feel the runtime, is because I already know, mm-hmm. and I'm just kind of like, okay, how? So how are we going to resolve this? We have like 30, 40 minutes to kind of resolve something that I already know so somewhat the answer to. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of my big hang-up on the movie. I I've seen like much longer. Well, of course. A million books, much much longer than this one here, have been adapted into even shorter movies. It's it's wild that like a forty five fifty page short story got turned into two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. We're really uh, stretching the runtime here a little bit, I guess, and I started to feel it. I was going to ask you, do you, do you think it earned the runtime? I don't think so. Um... I would probably have to watch it again before I would tell you like what what to trim, basically. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, make that opening sequence a little bit shorter. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I I, uh, I I actually broke it up um, into two viewings. Uh, I, I got down to the last forty minutes, uh, and I will say we stopped watching not because we were getting bored, but because it was getting late. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I felt pretty invested in it the whole time. Like, I, was, I, I wasn't I was ever really bored. And I'd, I'd agree, like, there's not, like, an obvious thing where it's like, we just didn't need to do that. You know, like, there's not, yeah, like, yeah. A, a, like, subplot you could get rid of or something like that. But two and a half hours does feel a little long. I, I, I might have liked to see it kept to two. Yeah, even, like, 210, yeah. honestly. I feel like we could have done. Um, I, I hate being the guy that complains about a movie being too long but i do like to you know at least back it up with a why dude basically you, you know what i really you know me you know what i really liked greg about the newest mm. ninja turtles movie mm. it was 90 was it, it was 90 minutes long was it three hours oh 90 minutes long it was so fucking awesome 
it was nice to go see a short fun movie that didn't feel like it took up like my whole day and Mm -hmm. just enjoy it and be done with it in 90 minutes it was so cool hell yeah Take notes, Steven Spielberg. This is <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Seth Rogen would like to tell you how to make movies now. Yeah, he tried to tell him during the Fablemans, but he just wouldn't listen. <laughs> Steve, listen to me. It's me, Seth Rogen. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> that was a great Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. No, it wasn't. Don't pander to me. All right, so... Were you getting a lost, getting a lost, getting lost a little bit in the plot? It feels like the way things work in this universe was kind of explained either too quickly or maybe a little bit too vaguely. Like suddenly there's rules about what is a minority report and now that we know that it, what it is, there actually wasn't one this time or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were learning a lot and then it was getting like, shut down and turn around pretty quick yes um i did like that though um well specifically there's a lot of twists in this movie it's like a triple twist um one of the first ones is that um the movie is called minority report and you know i love it when a movie uses the title to manipulate the audience's expectations Mm -hmm. so when you find out about minority reports while anderton is on the run you assume that the point of this movie is to get his minority report and vindicate him the twist is he has no minority report Mm -hmm. that's a pretty good twist and it was actually the title was referring to agatha's minority report or uh, Anne lively's minority report the the drawing that's what the titular minority report is right um they pulled the witch on us the witch yes um so i thought that was pretty cool um i i liked that they did that okay i definitely appreciate it more with um sort of that explanation hey i'm just gonna have to watch this movie again i I have seen this movie five or six times so when you Mm -hmm. said like did you start to get lost i was like it's been so long that i couldn't really tell you honestly I, i know what happens in this movie you know Greg, I've got this one memorized, actually. So, it is a movie that me, I remember Dad. strangely clearly. I seriously, yeah. <laughs> I saw it a lot in theaters, like at least three times, maybe more. Atta boy. All right. Uh, what other notes you got? Um, the greenhouse scene uh, where we learn about minority reports. The greenhouse with a little. little roots and branches from hogwarts grabbing at tom cruise that was funny that's what i wanted to talk about how much did they expect plant life to evolve in 50 years what did they think was gonna happen in 50 years since this movie was made that we're gonna be at fucking professor sprout's cottage like jesus christ well the sorcerer's stone came out in 2001 uh you know steven being a guy who loves you know magical worlds that we can immerse ourselves into thought i'm gonna borrow from those kids at hogwarts that's clearly what happened here (laughs) obviously i like the greenhouse scene a lot though oh yeah that was good big cool plants everywhere ah so i i have two kind of uh immersion breaky plot holy things um, okay i want to see if they bother you as much as they bother me one um 
why did they never revoke John Anderton's security clearance? Buddy, I noticed that too. <laughs> like, why would they, they use it, like, he gets by once when his eyeballs are still in his head, and then they do it twice with his eyeballs that his mother gave to him. Um, mm-hmm. What the fuck, like, what, like, did they think in the future security clearance could never be revoked once granted, or, like, do you mm-hmm. know how fast you get your security clearances revoked if you quit a job, let alone if the job is to you're quitting is to find you for murdering someone? Mm-hmm. <laughs> your reason for termination is you're going to kill somebody? Jesus uh. Christ. Um, that really... See, this is the thing that bothers me about that. If it was just a dumb little detail, whatever. The movie falls apart if the characters can't get access to those places in those scenes. Um, yeah. That's why it bothers me, and I think it's really, really, really cheap. Um, I think it detracts from the movie. Um, and ahead. and there's a long time between him being on the run and then coming back in to steal the precog. Mm-hmm. A lot of time passes. Yes. I mean, at one point... <laughs> His his wife uses them to get in when he is convicted yep. and in a halo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why would that convicted killer still have security clearance in the fucking pre crime unit? Um, drives drives me really nuts. Um, but uh, the other one. Why was the precog uh, bathtub designed like a toilet to flush human sized turds? <laughs> it it has an emergency flush function, yes. And, like, designed to but, let, like, Tom Cruise and Agatha go down the pipe. Like, two full humans can get out. Like, why in the hell would it be designed that way, Greg? Why would that happen? I feel like they should have hired a couple of plumbers to replace the toilet hole with a really tiny hole that's just, <laughs> just for, for farts. farts. A joke hole? <laughs> Oh my god. I'm not worried about any of this. I'm not worried about this. Oh. Um <laughs> Hey Greg, how uh Hey. How uncomfortable do you think it would be to be the kid who got cast as the character who gets kissed by Tom Cruise? <laughs> oh boy. I don't know, could be pretty rad. <laughs> Is that wait? Was that in the credits? <laughs> it's his son in the movie, Sean. Don't you dare say his name! Don't you ever say his name, um, Sean? Um, Sean uh, gets. Oh pissed. yeah! Like it, it just struck me as weird that I was like, "That's like a regular eight-year-old boy who had to get kissed by Tom Cruise while they were both shirtless." That was probably traumatizing. <laughs> And he had to ask for it, too. You're going to kiss me on the lips, right, Dad? <laughs> you bet, buddy. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. You got to talk to this kid. Boy ain't right. Hey, uh, Steve, I got some questions about the script. Um, <laughs> do I have to kiss the boy on the mouth? So, uh, animals that play sports are God's apology for dead parents, right? That's well documented. But did you know that precogs are God's apology for dead kids? Ah! You get your very own precog to carry around town with you. You can hide behind balloons with them. It's very fun. They can't walk so good, but 
<laughs> they will help you escape the police, which, hey, that's what Jack did in MVP 2, so why not? <laughs> help that kid escape the police all the time. Uh, good tie-in. Wait a good good callback, man. Uh, I do want to call out, pointing at the camera here. I'm calling you out, Steven Spielberg. Oh, I thought you meant me. I was like, fuck. Oh no, Denny, you you didn't make this. I'm movie. on the other side of the camera you pointed at. So. <laughs> I'd like to speak to Steven about cutting Jim Rash's part as a credited technician in Minority Report. Dean Pelton was in this movie, but he's not in the final cut. I don't believe it. He's still on IMDb for some reason, hmm. as being technician. And I, I like, I looked at it because I was scrolling through IMDb because there was like so many faces I recognized, and a face I recognized above all else. I was like, did I miss him? Did I yeah, blink? Yeah, you miss texted him? me about that, and I was like, what? I feel like I would have noticed that. And then I Googled it, and it, there was like an interview where he talks, like an interview. Somebody was asking him about movies he's been in. And he said something about yeah, for whatever reason, I'm still on IMDb as being in Minority Report, but that but my part was cut from the film, and I felt so bad for our for our humble Dean. So now you can tell him that you loved him in IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect joke. <laughs> because it's just an IMDb, not the movie. Exactly. Holy shit. Oh my god, that's good. Oh, that's good. We have a podcast to record. I can't be distracted by how good this <laughs> joke is. But Denny. Uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, that's uh that's pretty much all the notes I got. Do you got anything else? I'm pretty much out of notes, man. I just had a fun time seeing all the people I like do cool sci fi stuff in a really believable little sci fi world. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. Very that cool. I f- that until the end i kind of forgot was in dc <laughs> they keep mentioning it i'm like oh yeah this is in washington dc so and then they had the washington monument at the end and me and my wife went there last summer and we intentionally went to the washington monument and we went and touched it so every time we saw it in a tv show or movie we could be like we touched that <laughs> <laughs> and we did it again this time like hey we touched that that's awesome what do, you, what do you think pre-crime's plan is for when the precogs die? Can they predict their own murder? Ah. Or suicide. I mean, they're just going to die one day. How long could this division possibly last? Well, Denny, I guess this movie's a statement on short-term game and capitalism and all that stuff. You know, uh... we just, we're going to build this empire based on something unsustainable. I'm agreeing with you, but only because I want to seem smart. Ah, attaboy. Spielberg knew all along. Uh, you see, <laughs> Philip K. Dick predicted late-stage capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> they can tell uh, they can tell the future, and they can see murders, but they can't see the death of their own company. Damn. So sad, so sad. Damn. Bro, that's deep. Deep. <laughs> that's about as deep as the precog tub, so... Oh! Oh! Yeah, anyways. Are you ready to uh, hit up some gimmicks, Yes, Denny? sir. Yes, sir. All right, Denny. Well, it's a new theme, which means there's a new gimmick of the week for Movies for Win. You've got a case of the Spielbergs. Denny, what is our gimmick of the week for our new theme here? 
It is the feel of the spiel. The moment where you could really feel the spiel behind the Bird. film. Film. Oh, now I know why they call it that. Yep, yep. It's it's an old because, term. Because you feel the movies. Yes. Um, it, it's a moment that was very Spielbergy to you. Um, Greg, what's your feel of the spiel moment? My feel of the spiel movie, movie, moment for this movie, Minority Report, was the flying cops on jetpacks chasing around John because they reminded me of the elves in the first Santa Claus movie, but I didn't laugh and I was still immersed. They even went so far as to have one of the jetpack cops jetpacks grill a burger after they broke through somebody's window. And they were grilling burgers on the stovetop, and the jetpack cooked the burger on the other side. Damn. Movie magic. Damn. Um, I'll give a couple runners up for mine. Uh, the the whole uh, alleyway drug dealer with no eyes scene that was a, a very Spielberg lit scene and moment. Um, I also noted the jetpack fight scene, very on brand. But mm -hmm. I'm going to go with something that was really kind of jarring for its score. Um, it's the car factory fight scene. Um, and the score seems straight up out of an Indiana Jones movie. Not a, like, 2054 Philip K. Dick adaptation. Um, it mm -hmm. seems like an old, old-timey action-adventure score. And... The action itself seems like he was cooking up ideas for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Like, it is a ridiculous, mm. over-the-top action scene with zany, bonkers things happening and an absolute Indiana Jones-ass score to it. That was my feel of the spiel moment for, for the movie. Very interesting. I like that one a lot. Uh, I can't wait to see how we both interpret these things uh, later as the uh, series goes on. Denny... I just felt your spelt. What was your favorite line for Minority Report? I actually had a really hard time coming up with a favorite line. I was looking out for it the whole movie, but frankly, I found the dialogue in this movie to be fairly unremarkable and <laughs> kind of bland across the board. Um, so I'm just going to go with Tom Cruise screaming at Agatha, where's my Minority Report? Um, one, because it stuck with me uh, in childhood. Uh, He's two, just trying to it's get a it. moment of a good. T <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, we're super lagged out now. Uh, well, I'm yeah. just gonna hope this works out in post. Um, two because uh, it's it's a good twist, and three because it's a great title drop moment. So I'll go with "Where's my minority report." No, that's a good. That's a good favorite line. I say. I I actually found myself with a couple runners up. Um, first, I've got. The uh, the really whimsical guy that runs the like shady uh, VR <laughs> bar, I guess I don't know what that place is. Anyways, he's trying. Tom Cruise is like, "Hey, let's hack into her brain and record her memories." And the guy's like, "All right, you get out of here, Tom Cruise. Take her to Radio Shack." And I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> pre-crime department missed that collapse." Another one I liked was Tom Cruise. Everybody runs. It's kind of his rule. 
when they're about to catch a murderer, and then he runs, and he tells the guy, <laughs> everybody runs! Um, and then, uh, but my favorite line, it was... It kind of feels out of place now that I think about it. But it's Tom Cruise explaining to Colin Farrell what the precogs are, and he says, it's better if you don't think of them as human. Which made me very sad. But it did kind of help sell me on the sci-fi world so i don't know mm. it's not that cool i just i put it down first i guess but I think then that's he a pretty fu- cool he, favorite line i think that was what prevented them from finding you know agatha's mom's murderer was not mm-hmm. seeing agatha as a human mm. once we saw agatha as a human then we could like wait how did she get here oh it's kind of actually fucked up what happened so okay there we go i feel that that's i made great. my way there i yeah. got there Oh, great line, great insight. Yeah, thank you, thank what, you. What is your Critiker score, my man? Critiker score, I think this is a pretty good movie. I think, well, I think it's a good movie. Uh, there's some parts that kind of weigh me down, some parts that elevate it above the rest. I think it's overall just cool. It's wearing shades. I'm liking it. It's a cool time. This is just a cool-ass movie definitely doesn't feel as 2002 as it you know really is it's some aspects of it are timeless but i do feel the 2002 somewhere every once in a while um but with the lack of justification for the length of it i think i'm landing on this one being a 30 out of 40. nice nice um, I think adjusted for scale, we probably put this at uh, very similar spaces. I gave it a 41 out of 50. Okay, yeah. Yeah, right around the same place. Yeah. I think mine's just a skoosh lower than yours, but yeah, I think we both kind of feel the same about it in uh, in general. Yeah. Dope, man. All right. Dope. Yep. We did it. We did it. I'm excited to keep going on this theme. Greg, what do we have next week for the people? The podcast is for the people. It's the people's podcast. What do we have for them? Famously, yes. Uh, you did mention it already one time. We've mentioned it several times already. But you know we're talking about timeless Spielberg sci-fi movies. You know we're going to talk about E.T., the extraterrestrial. Uh, yeah, we'll be talking about it. Phone home. Tell your friends about it. All that stuff. All that business. The extra testicle, I think. Yes. yes, the extra testicle. Sorry, I ruined that joke for you for next week when you summarize it. So It's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make it anyways, Greg. No one could ruin that joke for me. <laughs> it's always going to be funny. Yeah, that's all that matters. So that's, that's going to be a fun time. Check us out next week. And then, uh, yeah. What a cool-ass time. Hey, Hell yeah, fun. dog. Yeah, great what pod. A- another cool time another cool movie my internet connection can only slow us down so far we cannot be completely conquered all right denny i've plugged into the machine i was laying in the bathtub earlier and uh toaster dropped into it you see because i was making some toaster strudels and Mm. before waking up in the hospital i was given a vision of the future and i saw you murdering ending compromising to a permanent end this episode of the podcast with what weapon the catchphrase for greg work the agatha johnson
I'm Denny the Anne Lively Taylor, and this has been... I almost said minorities for win. That would have been a huge mistake. Oh, I was just, way ooh, different podcast. We don't go there, no. <laughs> we already told you when, but you know what we didn't tell you? What's my cage again?